Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Bruss, and today on the show, we've got Grant Tom. Grant and I have been working hard on a new project that we're calling The Brand Gap, and today, we're going to share just a little bit of that with you. So we're really excited to be doing this at long last because it's been in the works for a little while. Now, Grant's got over 30 years worth of marketing experience, and he knows a thing or two about branding, and he certainly knows how to spot a trend. Let's get started. G'day everyone, I trust that you're well and you're working towards your goals and doing whatever it takes to break through and to succeed. Now if this is your first time here at the Go All In Podcast, welcome. It's great to have you here and if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here on the Go All In Show. Thank you for your loyalty and thanks for spending your precious time with me here on the podcast today. Now before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit the subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. That way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some go all in love right there in your pocket. Now, after a year or so of people asking me to create more content, I've decided to create the Go All In exclusive. These are exclusive members-only podcasts where my guests and I go much deeper into mastering the art and the science of going all in. This world-class content is the shortest path to your success. So come on over and join today. It's just $15 per month, and you'll have access to a wide variety of new Go All In podcasts and episodes and content. Pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash exclusive to find out more. Lastly, I wanted to ask if you could help me out today. In return, I'm going to give you a copy of my best-selling masterclass called Master Your Mind and Go All In. The masterclass is the culmination of 15 years of business experience coupled with 10 years in the military. This is by far my best work with nine video-based modules and more than four hours worth of training, and that's going to get you moving towards your goals and targets much faster than trying to do it on your own. The masterclass is worth $149, and you can get yours for free when you subscribe, share, and leave a review for the Go All In podcast. All you need to do is to pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out more. Okay, let's get into today's show. Tom, welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here, mate. How are you? I am extremely well, Rob. Thank you very much. Yes, it's been a long time working on this project, and I'm excited to unbundle this with you today. Yeah, it's good. And I want to I want to take the opportunity here to say thank you, uh, and thanks for having a little bit of faith in me and and working with me on this project. I know we backed and forth on on we flip flopped really on a few different ideas and a few different things, but. COVID's changed the way the world uh, has worked and the way the world is working. And, and there's just no no point in dilly-dallying around anymore. You really have to commit to something and go all in. And I'm glad that we've finally settled on something uh, as good as this brand gap thing. You know, traditionally, marketing is one of those things that it's, it's like writing in the dark. You can't see what you're doing. You've got to actually work through a couple of books work through a couple of sessions. You've got to be able to bounce around because there's no just one way on how to do it. And I think that's the part that I've really enjoyed about the process is that we've really pushed each other to boundaries, brought each other back, but we've come up with something quite unique as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to sharing what it is that we've got with the brand gap today. And and I think this podcast really is the, the prelude to it all. We're probably still a, a couple of weeks away from launching this thing and getting it completely better down really but I wanted to introduce it to the audience so they knew what was coming down the pipe because I think it's a really exciting project and it makes a lot of sense and the language and the vernacular around there has been a whole lot of fun to create because you go out there as a as an entrepreneur and as a as a person with ideas and you have these ideas that are presented to you and you do them all and everything like that and they're great ideas but at the end of the day people don't buy ideas what they do is they buy your words so it's really important that you start with your words and your copy and you know your words matter and I'm looking forward to exploring that a little bit with you here today I wanted to start off by asking how has COVID changed your world because I know it's changed it pretty radically for you 
It has. Um, I'm not traveling as much as I used to. I used to live at airports and airplanes and arrive at destinations continually, um, which was an exciting part of the whole destination. But uh, being uh, office bound or home bound, um, I find I've got more meetings. So I'm booking more in a day. So I don't have that that gap between meetings. So I, it is very um, uh, exhausting uh, uh, after a day, after a week of continual Zoom meetings. But yeah. uh, uh, once again, I've had great family time. Yeah, very nice. And you got caught up in the lockdown down there in Melbourne. Did that really affect you much? Well, it's affected me today because uh, we were flying back to Sydney uh, last night. And oh. of course, uh, at the last minute, we had to uh, abort that plans uh, because uh, we, we, we've got work that we had to conclude here. So we were worried we're going to get caught on the other side of, of the border. So you've decided to stay? We've had, we've had to decide to say it just wasn't worth the risk of taking it. So we, we decided to just stay where we know where the work is at the moment. So it seems like you're almost a, uh, a dedicated Mexican south of the border there. It looks like it. But, you know, once again, like, you know, when you're in Mexico, you do what the Mexicans do. You do, right? You go out, you have incredible food and amazing coffee in, a, in one of the most beautiful parts of the world, in one of the most livable cities in the world, I have to say. And I've also met some incredible people as well by being here. So once again, they are people that I would never have met if I haven't got. And I'm learning another part of this incredible country, uh, Australia. And I just think it's a phenomenal place. And it's just great to learn the culture as to how it works in Mexico. Outside of the Bondi bubble. <laughs> Outside of the Bondi bubble. I miss my beach, though. I do miss the beach. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised. It's such a, a beautiful place. You know, that kind of leads me into uh, the level of uncertainty that business has faced over the last 12 months. I know I've been on the receiving end of that uncertainty with my uh, with my two organizations. So the podcasting business uh, has kind of chugged along. It, has, mm-hmm. it was on a really strong trajectory, on a really strong growth trajectory, but it all kind of came to a grinding halt around the start of the year. But the photography business completely died because there's just no more photography work because there's no more events there's no weddings there's no uh there's none of the government work that we had going on it all just went away and it was really very disheartening that something that you'd worked for for the last 15 years of your life had really come to a complete stop Um, but the uncertainty of of is it going to come back and when is it going to come back and what's going to happen is maybe slightly different than other businesses because Mm -hmm. a photography business is something that's like well that's never really going away and there's no real outgoing cost to it because if there's no work, you don't have wages, you're not paying staff. So the uncertainty is more around when is it going to go back to normal, not mm. is the market going to come back? Because I know the market will come back. People will still get married. People still want photos, family photos, kids, all of those sorts of things. So that's not really an issue. What sort of uncertainty have you seen and experienced since all of this COVID stuff has, has unraveled? Look, there's been a couple of things, uh, especially with a lot of the clients in the sense that uh, cash has dried up. Um, what they were investing before, they've had to now reconsider and, 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 and aim it towards their staff, holding on to staff, key mm. staff. Um, and therefore, building uh, personas and brands and campaigns have become secondary with the future, just mandatory. Um, so they've just been looking off to what they've got rather than trying to achieve something that they don't have at this point in time. Um, I found that a lot of people are not doing things the way they were, but they are definitely spending a lot of time having to look at how they're going to reinvent themselves. Yeah. If I look at 2020, I would say that 2020 is the year that we all woke up because what we took phenomenally is that we'd, we'd just be the run of the mill and how we reach our targets has changed within the flip of a coin. Mm. And one of those things that I feel is important is that from now on, every idea we will think of, we'll try and make it pandemic proof. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. I like that a lot. I think I'm guilty of uh, not preparing for the worst and not really positioning my business or my organizations for something like this. Not that we could have ever foreseen something like this happening, you know, and you tuck a little bit of money away for a rainy day and you you try and sort your cash flow out and manage your business the best you can. But whoever thought that the whole world would come to a grinding halt for three or four or five solid months where there's really no business at all, the only business to be had is online. So I'm lucky because I've been able to position myself and do a lot of business online, but many Many organizations haven't been able to do that. Correct. And 
that that's you know while that's really bad i also think that presents incredible opportunities have you seen some some of your colleagues and the people that you're working with your clients maybe capitalize on that and and get some real positives out of this look um the way that they are rolling forward they have really been able to revisit themselves they've really been able to restructure themselves and they've also been able to work out what is going to be their game plan and their value proposition going forward. And that's what I think has been incredible is the fact that they've had to realign Mm. their business practice as to what they thought it was, as to what it now is. And it's just about changing position. You know, Rob, you speak about not knowing about this pandemic, but yet a hundred years ago, we had something very similar. And yet we weren't taught this at school. We weren't reminded about this at school. And as a lifestyle, we weren't adjusted to to what this was. We, it was totally forgotten. Um, there was also an episode where Bill Gates was mentioning that something like this would take place. And yet no one really paid attention. I definitely didn't pay attention. Mm. And I didn't even know what do you plan for? Cause I, I've never experienced or was never told or was never taught about what or how serious a pandemic can really be. Um, I thought we lived in a modern age where we had everything sort of under control, Mm. Um, but we don't. And I think that the lesson out of this is that how do we work with uh, the the right team around us? How can we work logistically and effectively? And how can we become a brand or a product or a service that can work continually through any form of transitioning phase that yep. we might be going through as we do as humans on this earth. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. You know, one of the things that I kind of noticed about the online business that I have and the things that I do is it's pretty insulated from economic circumstances outside of mainstream economy, outside of a bricks and mortar type business where you're relying on foot traffic like that. My e-commerce stores still make money. Um, uh, mm. You know, people are still buying things online in spite of the negative sentiment that the mainstream media would have you think that nobody's got any money, nobody's buying anything. But actually, well, that's not reflected in my online sales. I'm making plenty of money and mm. there's mm. plenty of people buying things. In some ways, there's little spikes here and there in mm. little things that are happening and i've introduced a a bunch of new initiatives to help the cash flow and and to pick up the cash flow somewhere else and it reminded me of it reminded me of a uh, a clever analyst that i saw on a news program just the other day actually they said that the reporter was trying to the reporter was baiting him and he was saying oh well you know this pandemic thing was really bad for tourism because there's no tourists coming here because all the stuff's happening. And he said, well, there's something like 40 billion Australian dollars that people take out of the country when they go on holidays, holidaying overseas, and all of that will now be spent in Australia. So is the inbound tourism as big as the outbound tourism? No, it's not actually. More money is spent taken out of the country doing that than it is coming in. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected on that if I'm incorrect. So please tell me if I'm incorrect. But I'm, but in concept, you, I yep. understand what you mean in concept. Yes. You know, and, and it kind of reminded me of the the offline photography business that I have, which is pretty much a bricks and mortar business. You could say it's a service based organisation, and then the online stuff, the e-commerce stuff that I do, all of that is completely insulated from everything else. So when somebody's not spending money on the photography stuff, they seem to be spending money on the e-com stuff or they're buying mm. other things, you know. Mm. There's still the same amount of money in the world. It's just been channeled into different places. Yeah. Well, look, we, I, I feel we're in the, the thinking space. Right now, we all just have time to think. Mm. Uh, we will have time to just ponder. We will have time to just look at what's going on. So I think anything that is to do with knowledge is sought after and people are just looking with the view to absorb information and content and knowledge and understanding with the view to form a formula as to how they're going to come out of this pandemic and get their business to be corrected. And when I say corrected, not that they were incorrect previously, it was just that it was a different path. Mm. We have to correct ourselves as to how this path has got to work now. Yeah, absolutely. One of the interesting observations for me, because one of the things that I talk about on this podcast all the time is leadership. And, Mm. uh, you know, whenever there's a crisis or crises like there has been in the last 12 months, you can really see who the strong leaders are, the good ones, the belligerent ones, the ones that you just roll your eyes and wonder how on earth they got where they did. Is there there some leadership lessons in all of this for you in, in terms of business, in terms of maybe some annoying politicians that you've had enough of, that type of thing? 
Well, one of the things that I've learned is the fact that, especially in small companies, there's no such thing as I in team. Mm. A team is a team. And if you've got a team of people, now's the time for everyone. Not, it's not about receiving a salary. It's about holding on to what you've got. And therefore, you now require everyone to participate. You require everyone to be thinking. You require everyone to th- be thinking constructively and complementary to your teammates with the view to build your organization to be effective. Because it's not just the leader's responsibility anymore. It's about everyone that's been hired by that organization to put their best foot forward. Yeah, it's so true. I've had a a really similar experience with my team. I've got a bunch of freelancers that work with me. It must be you know, on any one week, there's anywhere from four to sort of six of them. And I really have taken the time because they've been quite worried, like, hey, Robbie, you're still going to be giving us the work. And this is probably four or five months ago. And it was like, well, yeah, you know, the work, I've still got the work. I've still got the money to pay you. I've still got the cash flow from the clients paying me so I can pay you. So, yeah, it's not going anywhere. But you could really tell that they became quite dependent on what it was that they got from me and rightly so that's the that's the job that they're getting they're the freelancer and and i'm helping them and i'm I'm working with them but i took the time to get to know them a little bit better because i figured that hey if this work does dry up at some point i'm going to need to come back to you but what i don't want to do is burn the relationship in the process of saying ah sorry there's no more work and giving them no notice with something like that so i asked them i brought them in in some ways and i was asking them about ideas and you know what do you think we could do here how will we do that and a lot of them unfortunately were not positioned really to give me any sort of uh validation or any help with what what it was that i was asking but there was a couple of them that really made some valid contributions and it made me wish i asked sooner and that was a little bit of an error in my judgment there. I should have had more participation from my team and not just treated them like freelancers or contractors or something like that. Well, I think that, that what you've just mentioned is a lesson in itself. Um, when people don't have the opportunity to practice the, the, the space, to have come up with ideas, then they don't come up with ideas, they just do. Hmm. And then on a day when you ask them for ideas, they actually don't have any ideas because they haven't been practicing. Yeah. So like you mentioned, if you had done this a little bit earlier and a little bit continually, maybe there'll be a little bit more practice that when you did ask them, maybe you would have got three or four very, very good ideas uh, coming on to the table. And that's a mistake that all of us have made is start getting your team to start thinking and being ideas generating from a, an early start rather than on the tail end now that there's a crisis and we're in a, in a cul-de-sac and we don't know how to reverse uh, out of it. Yeah, it's good stuff. And, and I've actually made it part of my onboarding process now as well. I've redefined the checklist that I've got and, and had, you know, I've always said that my door's open. If you've got a question, ask me. If there's a problem, just tell me. I'm happy to, happy to take that on board. But I've never really had anything about ideas or what their thoughts are and where they can take it because I never really considered them as an integral part of the team. They were a bit more of a commodity. And again, that's a misjudgment of, of me and that's a misjudgment of the people that are working with me even though they're there sort of every day they're working four or five hours a day it's a misjudgment to think that they're a commodity that i can just go and get another designer i can go and get another developer Mm -hmm. and i can but the reality is are they going to be as reliable and the short answer is always no so absolutely a lesson learned for me there and hopefully the listener has got something there too all right we'll be right back after this short message Hey there, Rob Russ here, and thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like what you're listening to here on the podcast, then I'd like to invite you to join my guests and I for some exclusive members-only episodes of the Go All In podcast. In these exclusive episodes, we go much deeper into the topics, and in the process, we uncover the fastest way for you to close the gap from where you are and get you to where you want to be. And we do this by helping you to master the art and the science of going all in. When you join, you'll also have access to the Ask Me Anything episodes and have the opportunity to be featured and to share your story on the Go All In podcast as well. Join today for just $15 per month to gain exclusive access to this world-class content produced just for you. Visit goallin.com.au and click on the tab that says exclusive content. I'll see you on the inside. Well, that's all really good stuff, Grant. I want to 
I want to talk to you a little bit about trends because I know that's a bit of a superpower of yours and that's a really interesting superpower to have because when you can spot a trend or you can see something happening, you can get ahead of that wave that's coming rather than trying to grab onto the coattails of something that's already gone past you. What is it that you are seeing as a trend for 2021? I think that the the method of buying habits is what the new trends are going to become in the sense of how do you touch a customer? Um, how do you enhance a value to a customer and how do you get them to engage with you? And most importantly, how do you maintain that relationship after the purchase has been made? Mm. And I think those are the future trends that are going to start taking hold because if you don't have that relationship, you're going to be struggling to go fishing with a net because there are other people going to be fishing in your waters. Yeah, yeah. What about uh, the information side of business? Because I think that that's sort of come to light a little bit with this remote type of business that we're doing via Zoom that we're doing right now. And, you know, I think a lot of businesses have taken the opportunity to uh, systematize a lot of what they're doing from a learning perspective. Mm-hmm. My partner, she's as a photographer, she also has a day job working for the government. And it's really interesting because there's they, they built a, a just a little bit of background here of, of how radically government had to shift and move and we all know that governments wherever you are in the world are pretty slow to act but COVID has forced a lot of things upon them they amalgamated i think it was three or four thousand people into one office building in Parramatta. so they got rid of a, a building in in blacktown in bridge street in the city and one other one that i can't remember and it all, all everyone moved to para which was a giant pain for a lot of people especially for sue because she's operating here in cronulla or working out of cronulla here and then she's got to go to a day job in Parramatta. it's like painful but then COVID happened because they were only there for a couple of months COVID happened and they said well you can all work remotely now and the entire workforce has been completely displaced and the speed at which they've had to pivot and the speed at which they've had to adapt with their training and learning and you know government is just all about meeting after meeting after meeting and training after training and bringing in consultants and doing all the things that normal governments do to actually get the business of government done has all pivoted completely and it made me wonder how how much that's actually happening with with real business as well that's not involved in government that has to pivot and move quickly and i'm assuming that the vast majority of businesses out there have adapted because they've been forced to because of the thinking time that they've had as you said and it's a really interesting place to be if you're not moving and you're not adapting you're missing out on that trend big time well one of the things that i noticed was the fact that yes we had to learn to work logistically and and from a distance and like i mentioned earlier everyone's now having to work more you're more on than you used to be when you were in an office and also you have to be now more relevant than ever before because now you're going to be shown up if you do not add value to the meetings Mm. or to the work process or to the delivery that is discussed in these particular meetings and therefore from a business owner's perspective they've started to work with valuable members of the team rather than essential members of the team um, and when they mean by valuable is that they are the ones that they are contributing to the bottom line just because you're an essential worker doesn't mean that we need you and therefore a lot of people got cut out of the process mm. so there's been good and bad with the story but at the same time I think that the discipline of coming to an office and the discipline of upholding a brand and the discipline of wearing that uniform and the discipline of showing that is is, is missing out of this process. And that is where the opportunity, the gap of extending your brand, uh, fulfilling your brand, fulfilling your brand promise and voice and tone are the fundamentals as to what you've now as a business owner or as a team, or as an organization, or as a representation of that brand, have to now exude going into the marketplace. And I call that, and my famous words are edutainment. It is a little bit of educating, a little bit of entertaining, because unfortunately, customers out there don't want to be sold to anymore. Mm. They want to be entertained. But through that, we have to educate them to the value that we bring them. Because if we don't, our competition will. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a really great Apple video out there. You might have seen it. It was it's probably about four or five months ago, early on in the pandemic when everyone was locked down, and it was a bunch of uh, I think they were like advertising and marketing executives. They're all displaced at home and they're all working across their different Apple devices, across their phones, their laptops, their uh, their iPads and their tablets and stuff like that. And it's got this really fast paced sort of thing that's happening the boss says hey you need to get this done then you know she's pictured as this draconian you know power broker woman that's gonna fire everybody unless they find a solution and it's just a really clever piece that apple you know apple has always been at the forefront of marketing and branding and all those sorts of things but this was kind of next level i thought Mm. and i even watched it a couple of times to sort of unpick it with a bit more of a critical eye and there was nothing that i could say that was wrong with it it was funny it was fast paced the tempo was right they showcased their technology in a product placement way and it was just something that was really fresh and fun and it makes you scratch your head wondering why other organizations can't shift and move in the same way like that and i really feel like they're missing the opportunity even though this type of thing with apple has gazillions of views online it's not a secret they don't have a secret formula all they've got is some really clever script writers some really clever producers and some talented editors to put it all together it's not really the the production value is as a bunch of actors and some filming it's really wouldn't have cost that much to create that ad but the brand value that they get from that and the extension of all of those things to even to someone like me who's a non-apple user i was an apple user and i reverted back to windows and back to android and all of those things i saw that and it's attractive and it makes me think hey maybe i should move the team back to apple it's like it nearly swayed me it was a really interesting thing that happened well i think that what they were trying to get across is that they've got equipment in order to make your business effective that you can work remotely and i think they were trying to do it by association because this is all new to us i think what will follow from here is that eventually uh, we will start to build mental pictures as to what it will be like to be free again or to be uh, have movement again or to to aspire to to connect and see each other personally again, I think would be the next phase. But at the moment, we're in a little bit of a gimmick phase where unfortunately working from home, working remotely, working via Zoom um, is one of those trends. So there's one of the adverts out in the marketplace right now where they're having a Zoom call and the, someone is quite late and says, oh, sorry, I'm late. And the next thing there's Joe from accounts is in the bed behind her and stuff like that. And everyone's like, is that Joe from accounts? And, you know, so once again, we've, we've been able to find humor within a very sticky situation with, with, with a very uncomfortable situation, trying to show that, you know what, this is the new normal that we have to transition through in order to get to a space of comfort, safety and health. Yeah, it's a great reminder of uh, being able to shift and pivot with the times. And hopefully you ladies and gentlemen listening in are doing that very thing. Well, Grant, I want to kind of move on from those topics and talk a little bit about the brand gap now and the concept behind that and how we've come up with that. You know, I don't think there's any such thing as an original idea. And after how long have you been in marketing? 30 years or is it longer than that? 30 odd years, yeah. 30 odd years. And I've been doing it for about 15 years as well. It's a little bit longer for me now, actually, since 2002. So it's 18, almost 19 years. Uh, When I first got out of the military, that's when I had my first business and really, you know, got into marketing and business and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, combined together, we're, we're bumping up against like, 50 years of marketing experience here Correct. contained. It makes me feel old. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm still a spring chicken. <laughs> but I feel like you've seen it all, mate. You've seen, you, you saw the invention of the internet. You saw the advent of all of those things. You saw the death of newspapers and magazines and things like that. Some things fundamentally in marketing don't change. Some, some things can change considerably and things come and go all the time but some things never change and the thing for me that stays the most central is opportunity there's always opportunity it doesn't matter what time in history you live or you reside there's always an opportunity there's always a gap in the market that you can fulfill and and the short answer to it all is you've just got to be in the white space where nobody else is That's pretty simple. That's where you create those opportunities for yourself. But you need to be agile enough to pivot quickly enough to capitalize on those things. And you've got to be properly resourced 
to be able to do that. So in concept, in theory, it's easy to do, but the execution is is very hard. And I'd just be interested to hear your, your take on 30 years of marketing experience and what you think about the things that are fundamental that don't change. Well, I was very fortunate enough in my formative years that um, I had the personal touch uh, by the father of branding, which was David Ogilvie, where he had spent some quite a few times uh, where I was with him in the UK, uh, where I had the opportunity to work with him and understand a little bit of what he was creating in traditional space, of course, mm. but how the visual aspect of branding and the foundations of branding were all so important with the view as to the relevancy, as to the, the the memory factor, as to the value, as to why you would wear or buy a particular brand. Um, going into that and, and, and sort of transitioning through all these eras, one of the things that has really always stood top of everything is the brand. Mm. Because the brand ultimately is the intellectual property that people buy is the intellectual property that is sold is the organization that sells a particular brand all those things are attributes that come to towards what they are and in branding there are two things there's the brand story and there's the brand gap the brand story is very much your reason as to why you exist as to the value that you bring as to the the enhancement that, that you're all about and there is a million and a trillion stories that you can talk about with the view to, to, to really bring about the value and the quality of, of what you're about. But the brand gap is the interesting space in the sense that as trends transition, as times transition, as there are spaces that really interrupt our business, it's how we constantly have to go back to thinking about our brand all the time as to how we're going to overcome adapt, grow, enhance going forward. I look at iconography, for example. Iconography is the feature of what brands are designed on now in digital spaces Mm -hmm. because they are bolder, they are brighter, they are simpler, they're more adaptable, and they are more recognizable than ever before. And yet it's because we don't have that much space on our iPad or our iPhone or whatever the case may be to for, for real estate. So therefore you want to spot them quickly. And those are the kind of things that I think is formidable. So the brand story is, has, is, a, is a huge subject for us to unbundle. And the brand gap is a huge subject in the sense of opportunity where you can grow that edutainment with the view to enhance a customer to stay loyal and to keep on buying from you or buying you or wearing you on a continual basis. Well, I really believe that there's two types there's two types of brand gaps that are out there. There's the gap in your brand. So you need to revisit your brand continuously and, and work out what the shortcomings are in relation to where the market is moving. But there's also gaps in the market. So there's two things there that are are pretty exciting and and pretty interesting. And I think anybody that's listening to this that hears the word brand gap immediately, I know when when you kind of said it to me and uh, my feeling around that was, oh my God, what am I missing? I I immediately immediately went defensive for some reason. I didn't go to, oh yeah, there's an opportunity. I went, oh, I'm missing something because I think as the leader of my business, as the leader of my company and my small, my little small business that I've got, I think that I've got it dialed in and I've got everything covered off and everything's the way it should be. But the reality is you never will have everything covered off. It's like you're never ever going to see every single Star Wars movie or series that's ever made. You're going to die and it's going to go on for another 50 years because Disney owns the franchise. That's the same thing with your brand and your business. There's always a gap. There's always an opportunity and you've got to work through methodically where those opportunities lie and you've got to make decisions about where to pivot to most importantly, because you don't want to be putting resources into something that's just not going to amount to anything. So what would you say would be the top two things that would be a priority for a brand to revisit? If someone's listening to this podcast now and they're like, yeah, well, I got a brand, I got a, I got a business, what would be the gaps that I should be looking at? Because that's the problem with this. It's just infinite how many things you could look at, but what would you say the top two things would be? Well, there's two trains of thoughts here. One is where do you need to be in order to be seen in, in, a, in, a, in a market that is, is already noisy? That's the first thing. The second thing to think about is 
where can you be with a view to get that little bit of edge over your competition as to where you can get a little bit more market share, where you can get a little bit more recognition mm. to where the, your competitors have not got to yet. And those are the two fundamental brand gap areas. And within those, they are, they are huge subject matters. I, they, I call them Rubik's cubes because <laughs> there are six sides of color and nine blocks aside. And you literally got to be moving this Rubik's cubes with a view to get all the colors on the same side and each of these subjects is that fast and that intense but those are the two trains of thought yeah it's good stuff it's really good stuff for sure what about the overwhelm factor because if i if i've got a a process where i i get my texture out i get the whiteboard out and i stand there and I, i write the words brand gap there and I write the different silos of my business, the different organizations. And then if I draw a, a line in the middle of the whiteboard and at the, the top of the right-hand heading, I write opportunity. And then, cause I know there's other markets that I could be in. I know there's other things that I could be doing to acquire more customers, to get more traffic, to get more traction, to build more recurring revenue. I already know there's a bunch of things over there, but on the left-hand side of the ledger, I also know that there's things that I need to work on. And it's sort of like, oh my God, how do how do I pick? How do you how do you start with such an overwhelming topic? Look, there there are definitely a, a few things that you have to ask yourself first before you even try and answer that question. The short answer is there's no shortcut. Mm. Branding is a long game. It really is. It's a consistent game. It's like running a marathon. You just got to put your one foot in front of the other. It's not a sprint. It really isn't. Um, but at the same time, you've got to stand in the shoes of your customer. And if you can do that, and most business owners don't do that, unfortunately, but if you can be in the, your customer's shoes and if you were pretending to buy your brand, would you enjoy the experience? Mm. And if you were enjoying the experience, what more could I get from this experience? And if I was not enjoying the experience, what more do I need to do to get me to start enjoying this experience? And that in itself is the marathon. You can do a multitude of things. It's not about a knee-jerk reaction. It's about having a strategic game plan over an investment value that you're prepared to spend that you know in the long term is going to add value to the bottom line in the sense of turnover, going to add bottom line in the sense of the asset of what the business is, in the bottom line and recognition as to what your business value holds for people that are out there. I call it WIFM. You know, WIFM is what's in it for me is what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what is the tone that I want to associate with going forward? One of the things that you mentioned um, was trends earlier on, Rob. And I believe that people are going towards brands or messaging or stories that are good to the earth stories. They wanna buy good qualities that are good to the earth, not harming the earth. Yeah. They wanna buy a product that is gonna be recyclable and not going to be sitting there in, in our oceans, killing our animals. And it's those kind of things that we are starting to move our transitioning across. And through that education of storytelling, through the education of painting mind pictures, that's storytelling. The gap is how do you find those little areas that are unique to you that people start to follow. And, and, and when, when people are impressed, they share. Yeah. It's when they're not impressed that they let you know, and that's harder to manage. Yeah, that's, a, uh, that's the, the, the blessing and the curse of the modern world that we live in and the modern world of social media. I had a mate of mine the other day ring me up and he said, Rob, I've had, I've had this guy, he's got a hairdressing business, so a really small kind of shop out in Western Sydney here and um, his missus is the is the lead hairdresser there and I got a, a few staff that work for him um, and he said oh this these people keep calling and harassing and getting wanting to her to buy these SEO packages and doing that and she's like too busy to take the call in the middle of the day they call up she says no I'm not interested go away and then lo and behold there's these two really nasty negative reviews that pop up and he called me and said hey Rob you know a bit about IT how can I get rid of these reviews and I said well first of all are they real and he said no because there's no name there's no customer person there's no like record of that and when they put when they said that they came in the shop was actually closed it was all completely wrong right so it's pretty easy for Google to remove something like that when you can show them hey that didn't happen but the blessing and curse of 
being able to get that two-way feedback from your customers is a is something that needs to be front of mind for your brand. And I read a book recently. I, I've been meaning to tell you about it. I'll, I'll send the link to you as well, and I'll put the link in the show notes because I think it's really cool. It's by a woman. Uh, her name escapes me for some reason. I'm not going to dig from my phone. But the title of her book um, is really punchy, and it's a good reminder that her book is called Branding is Sex. And mm-hmm. so... It's a bit of a long bow to draw, I get it, you know, because a branding conversation is something that's kind of corporate and maybe a little bit dry and, you know, maybe a bit exciting, but is it sexual? No, I don't don't think so. But she does a a good job of showing how some people engage with a brand like it's just a one night stand, you know, and it's a a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, and you're never ever to be seen ever again as as a customer. And why is that, you know, what's wrong with your brand that that's actually happening? And you don't want your brand to be something like that. You want your brand to build a relationship with customers and you want to have a long-term marriage with these people. And she does a good little case study in that book about um, buying and driving an Audi. You know, I have this Audi, but why don't I have a BMW or a Mercedes? I like German, European cars and she's an American girl. And no, it's time to update my car, but I'm going to get the next Audi. Why am I, why, why are people so wedded to the brands that they have? And she unpicks the psychology of stuff, uh, of her like behavior. And you think about her behavior and you just think, well, she's just a normal person. And you look at your behavior and you're like, yeah, I do the do the same things. Mm. So branding is more important than ever before because of all the white noise we have in the marketplace and because of the double-edged sword of consumers being able to say, yeah, you guys were great or you guys sucked. You know, that's a really, really important thing. What about if people don't have a process to actually get this stuff done, Grant? What can they do? Well, you've got to first understand who you are in the marketplace and the value that you bring. And at the same time, as to the why, do you want to have this relationship? Once you understand why you want to have a relationship, then you can go and start digging down into the sense of your values in the sense of your tone. We, we, are, we deal with what we call brand voice because brands do have a voice now. We've got to understand your value proposition, your mission, your mission and your responsibility to yourself, to your customer, to the earth. Those are the kind of things that are very um, formidable in building a story of enhancement. Once you can create a theme, you can constantly keep on adding new chapters and new episodes and new um, um, angles. That is all part of the edutainment with making sure that you bring customers on a journey. When you're a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of brand, you're spending a lot of money making sure that they're coming back for another hit. Yeah. And therefore you are only worried about the can in the sense of getting money in and, and the money out. And you're not really worried about relationship. You know, I love my car brands and I'm very loyal to my car brands. But at the same time, if someone was to create a relationship with me and take me on a journey, I may just be swayed to mm. try something different due to the relationship that they'll create with me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny the the behaviour that you have is uh, is really interesting. I was I had a, a podcast yesterday with a, another close mate of mine, Zoe Routh, and you can find that episode on over at the Goal In Exclusive, by the way. And Zoe was talking about how one of the she works in leadership, and one of the people she works with came to her and said, you know, it's time that I I I have to give up these roles and responsibilities and hand them off to one of my subordinates because I've been given a new task, there's a new project by the the board wants me to do all these sorts of things. And it was really interesting from a human nature perspective, she was wedded to these things that she did Mm. day to day. It's like she got these dopamine hits from whatever it was that she was doing on a daily basis. And then having to let that go to somebody else was virtually like an empty nest for her. It was a really, really hard thing to do. And I really believe if you can get your brand to be exactly like that and to get your brand to be, to, to get the consumer of your products and services to feel like, Oh my God, I need that. I need to have that. Then you're onto something that's a, a more of a winning position. Absolutely. You know, I think that one of the things you've got to do is make sure that you work out what you want from who you want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, the project that we're working on together, Grant, the the brand gap is something that is going to be put together in a course 
type material. Uh, you'll be able to get that at the Go All In website. And the, the idea of the course is that people can come on over and walk their way through the modules and the various modules are going to help them to understand where they're positioned in the market, where the gaps are in their brand and help them to identify the gaps in their brand and to put some structure around this process. But part of it as well is to help them to identify the gaps in their market. And a lot of people will already know what the gaps in the market are and they know where the white space is, but they haven't had the time to actually they haven't had the time or the methodology to pivot and move into that place. So I'm really excited to be bringing this to life with you. W what about you? I mean, that's the whole kind of the 50,000 foot view of what it is that we're doing together and how we do it. What is it that's firing you up and is exciting for you? Well, first of all, Rob, I love brands. I love branding and I love the shape. I love the color. I love the tone. I love the positioning. I love the, the values that is ex excelled from a brand. I'll tell you a story where this really came home for me and it was in the year 2000. I had a client who had sold his business for mega money to a, a world, an international organization, crazy amount of money. It was unfathomable as to the volume of money that yeah. this guy was gonna get for this business. And he still remember, I remember him at his end of year function sitting next to me and laughing about what a great little business he had and how clever was this little business. And then he said to me, come see me Monday. I've got one more project that I need you to do for me. And I said, okay, I couldn't figure out what he had sold the business. What more does he want me to do? Mm. And he, I popped in on the Monday and he said, look, I, I need to leave my mark. So I want to take my brand and I want to make a tweak to my brand. And I just want to do one more thing that I know that's going to last for the next 20, 30 years before anyone else decides to come and touch it again. <laughs> and I thought, interesting. Mm. And I went back and I had to look at it and I had to play and I made a very simple adjustment and I came back and I presented it and he loved it. He said, how much? And I gave him the invoice and he paid it and he said, thank you very much. And out the door I went and I couldn't understand what had just transpired. But what he did do was that he went back to the people who had purchased the business and said, okay, you bought the business, you bought the asset, you bought the goodwill, now you need to buy the badge. And he asked for an extra 30% oh, gosh. on top of the, the, <laughs> the price because now they needed to buy the badge. So much so that we're now sitting in uh, 20 years since 2000 and that brand is still going to today. Right. It is still the same brand as how I left it in 2000. <laughs> and that is the value of branding in the sense that if you can command a value, you can sell a value. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I have got so excited about here is the fact that this course, there is so much brand to, to branding. No, there's no one person can tell another person exactly what to do with the brand. Mm. A brand must be allowed to evolve naturally, but it must have responsibilities. And only the brand custodians, the brand owners, the brands who, owners who have vision for what the outcome of their business, their product, their customer, their bottom line, their accountants want to do with this brand should be on this course mm. because this is where you do find the gaps. This is where you do find the opportunities. This is where you find the areas that maybe your competition are beating you. And these are the kind of things that you can start to work out because it's for you to work this out. It's your brand, it's your love, it's your passion that you're busy selling at this point in time. I just love the fact that we've come up with a method that we can really just in your own space at your own time, be able to work out how do you get that extra 30% in your business when you sell it one day? Yeah, the really the really interesting thing for me as you're, as you're talking about that, because you're talking about a larger company, a larger business, but the concepts apply across all businesses and all brands. And it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you're a solopreneur or you're a you're a tradie type business. Your brand is just as important as it is for a major corporate on that's floated on a stock exchange somewhere around the world. The same concepts are true. The same things are true. And if you're a small business listening to this, getting your brand story right, getting your, fixing the brand gap before you get bigger, before you get larger, is critical because you don't want to arrive at that bigger part of your business or that on, get on a growth trajectory and then realize you've got to go back and fix everything. You're better off getting it right to, to begin with and then 
that will help you grow and that will put you on a, on a slightly different trajectory as well. But the great part about it is it's universal and it never goes away. And these are the fundamentals of marketing and branding that never, ever change in spite of, you know, a, a career like yours that's 30 years, 30 years in length and still going. And, you know, you've seen all of these eras and we're going to see another bunch of eras in the, in the coming five to 10 years as well. It's a, it's an interesting time in history that we're at because big media, these big media oligarchs taking control of what it is that we see and what it is that we, how we communicate and things like that is that going to exist in five years time or will the whole world come to a complete stop a complete end who knows but what i do know is on the other side of all that businesses will still exist people will still have products and services for sale and people will still have to get their message into a crowded noisy market well one of the things that i do think back on is unfortunately when the world trade center came down in 9 11 there were a lot of brands that we are part of today that are mega brands were not around yeah. when the World Trade Center came down. Mm. Google was, but none of the other social media platforms were around. They all came post 9-11. So now I look at this pandemic and I'm saying to myself, what's gonna be in 20 years time? What brands are gonna come out of this period that we all could have turned around and said, oh, I should have thought of that. Why didn't I think of that? Oh, mm. I should have, I thought of that, but I didn't do anything about it. I had the idea for Uber ages ago for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> you did? did? Did you do anything about it? No, I didn't. Of course not. <laughs> I'm sitting here talking to you. <laughs> Look, one of the things that you talk about smaller companies as well, it's not about a badge that you have on your letterhead or your invoice. It's what you do with that badge. It's how you educate your market that buy your badge, buy you, buy your service. Yeah. How do you invest in such a way that that reputation it becomes the brand. That's where the money sits. It's not about how many times you printed your logo on your invoices. That's not going to get you any return of investment. Yeah, dead right. One of the things that I like the most about this and, and something that uh, I've been, I knew a long time ago, but I was reminded of it recently in just listening to some audio books and reading some content and doing some research for this project that we're working on is, you know, the long, long ago, I used to think that the first rule of marketing was to be first. And mm. it makes sense to be first. That's make that's a yeah. that's a fair statement. And if you're not first, what you need to do is to be better, and yeah. or faster, and or yeah. cheaper than yeah. the competition. So you know if you're going to compete against somebody like that. But I now realise the errors of my ways, and mm. I'm happy to stand corrected. And I'll correct myself here. Is the first rule of marketing is not to be first, but to be first in the minds of your consumers. So. You might be in a market where there's 50 different options, but if you're the first option that they think of, you've won and you've won, you've won that branding game. I don't know if I agree with that, Rob. I must be honest, I think it is about value. If you can educate me as to the value that you bring me, I think that's going to win mm -hmm. because value will far exceed first. Oh yeah, totally, totally. But that's the reason why that yeah. you're the first person that they think of because Correct. of the value that you actually bring like that. There's so much more to it than being first. And I guess that's the point I'm trying to highlight is there's way more, being first is great and winning and finding that white space or that blue ocean that you've been looking for is awesome. Yeah. And it's important and there's many, many businesses that have been there. I've actually been there in that space before as well, which is, is extremely profitable. It's extremely profitable to be first in a market because what you, the problem that you then face is how do you stack on as much cash as possible when you're getting these incredible you know ten to one return on investments. That's the that's an exciting place to be, but people catch on to it quickly and you won't be first for very long. So you better be first in the mind of consumers, and the way you're doing that is by bringing as much value as possible, as you say. But I think that it's important that business owners. Um, teams of the brand, customers of the brand. It's all about having fun. Mm. You must be able to have fun with your brand. You must be able to explore. You don't have to be frivolous. You don't have to be silly, but sometimes you can be serious. But at the same time, if you're not having fun implementing your brand into message, into position, into graphics, into imagery, then what's the point? I yeah. think that you want to build those mental pictures as to why you are the best in value. 
Yeah, it's beautifully said. Beautifully said. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we bump up against an hour here on the podcast, if you want to reach out and connect with Grant, you can do that via the GoAllIn website. Just head over to goallin.com.au and just click on the contact tab and you can send him a message directly through the website there. Grant, I wanted to say thank you for coming on the show. We're going to be doing lots of these podcasts. I'm looking forward to doing more and, and exploring uh, more specificity rather than the general type topic. So lots of content coming up for the audience and lots of value to be added back there as well and grant will appear over at the goal in exclusive with some uh really exclusive content over there as well so ladies and gentlemen just head over to goalin.com.au forward slash exclusive to check out that content there as well mate thanks again for coming on i wanted to give you the opportunity for the final piece of branding wisdom from grant tom what have you got for us today mate look i think at the end of the day on our brand gap course and formula we'd like to share the formula as to how you can learn about how to make your brand a winner because all brands deserve that opportunity to be a winner. And I think at the end of the day, it's about making sure that you enjoy your business and let your customers enjoy you. And at the end of the day, let's add some value to the world and be a change maker because you know what? The world is changing by tomorrow. Good stuff, mate. I love it. Thanks again for coming on. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. It's bye for now. Thank you, Rob. Goodbye. have it folks if you want to connect with today's guest just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to their website and socials are right there so you won't have to go poking around in google for them now if you like what you heard on today's podcast then i'd like to invite you to check out our exclusive members only content my guests and i go much deeper into the art and science of going all in and in the process we shortcut your path to the success that you desire find out more by visiting goallin.com.au forward slash exclusive don't forget that you can also get your free copy of my best-selling masterclass as well all you need to do is to head over to goallin.com.au forward slash referral to find out some more it's as simple as subscribing sharing and leaving a review for this podcast once you do that the details to access the masterclass will be emailed to you it's worth 149 dollars so head on over to goallin.com forward slash referral to get yours today now if you've got some feedback or a message for the show you can reach out to me via the goal in socials send me an email or you can use the ask me anything form at goalin.com.au forward slash exclusive well that wraps it up for the show today so whatever it is that you're working on whatever you're doing get busy get to it and go all in i'll see you next time